All right, and welcome in everybody to another episode of Connor and Coverage. This is Tuesday night here, August 17th. We're going to talk in the latest in Georgia news, recruiting, takes, unfortunately. Uh, a lot of different stuff to cover, obviously. Georgia practice is still continuing. They had their last practice uh, before school starts tomorrow. They had a big scrimmage on Saturday. We'll talk a little bit about that. They have another big scrimmage on this coming Saturday. We are, I think, 19 days officially away from the Georgia Clemson game. I know a lot of people are excited about that. We'll get into that tonight a little bit. Talk a little bit about Will Muschamp. Obviously, the Rick Gilbert news has dominated the airwaves recently. I'm probably not going to have too much to say on that. At this point, it's a, a four-day-old story, and pretty much I think everything that has needed to be said has been said on that matter there. So we're going to talk a little bit about Will Muschamp instead. I got a chance to talk to Amir Speed today, who uh, I think gave a pretty good quote on – Muschamp in the role that he has had as well as we'll pick up some Kirby Smart quotes on Muschamp. And then uh, talk a little bit about uh, Georgia wide receiver recruiting to wrap things up tonight. Uh, some interesting developments there over the past week. Obviously, Georgia earns the commitment. They make the top six for somebody else. And then a pretty big name to know on the recruiting trail backs off his commitment to another school. And Georgia seems to be well positioned there. But thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We do this every Tuesday night. You guys can find us on the Dog Nation homepage, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch. Uh, coming soon to the Dog Nation app. You can find us as a podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you really get your video as well. We do this every Tuesday night. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Our lead story tonight, our lead block, is going to be about the injury situation because I think, obviously, the Eric Gilbert news was the, the lead topic from this, this Saturday scrimmage. But the injury situation to me, especially on – the offensive side of the ball is starting to get a little concerning here uh, as far as who's available and who might be fully available for that first game against Hunter. So we'll touch over that, give it a little bit of update. There has been some good news specifically regarding to two players that were held out of Saturday's scrimmage. But the Georgia injury situation, you know, it's important to note that football is an incredibly physical game, and Kirby Smart made this point himself this weekend that a lot of teams right now are dealing with injuries and guys getting banged up and bumps and bruises. Right now, the hope is that those bumps and bruises end up just being minor and don't end up being long-term injuries that end up keeping guys off the field. And the list, as it currently stands, is quite long, and it's not necessarily guys who are like buying for playing time or looking to hope to be contributors. These are a lot of guys that are going to be contributors if health permits this season. And I think that's perhaps the names on this list more so the amount of injuries is what the real concern is here. But to start off, first injury to know, Kiaris Jackson, wide receiver. He's still working his way back from orthoscopic knee surgery he had this offseason. We did, did get some good news on Monday when an image was posted by the University of Georgia. There's Jackson at practice. So we're in a pretty big knee brace there. But, you know, in terms of the worry level, which we're going to assign to each one of these guys, this is probably about a two, maybe even a one on a scale of one to ten, ten being very concerned with one, obviously not that much. And with Jackson, you know, I, I think Georgia feels confident that he's going to be out there. The only real concern is you can say, well, last year we heard JT Daniels was going to be cleared and ready to go, and he ultimately wasn't for that first game against Arkansas. So uh, that's my only sort of hesitation there, but I think this Georgia team feels good about Kyrus Jackson and what he brings. He doesn't need to prove himself at fall practice. Georgia, I think, knows what he has in him. And so it's really just about making sure that knee is right and getting that to 100% to where he and the Georgia offense feel comfortable on it. The second name on that list is, in my opinion, the most worrisome 
that you will see on here. And that is Jermaine Burton. Burton was held out with an ankle injury. Unlike the Jackson injury, which we had been previously aware of, we don't know a whole lot about this injury. Now, similar to Jackson, there was an image of Burton at practice wearing pads. Didn't get a chance to see that ankle, which is where, where it was injured. But the fact that he's out there is good. But of the names on this list for this first game against Clemson, the Burton one is the one that is the most worrying. Uh, Georgia needs Jermaine Burton out there to win this game. Certainly after the news that obviously George Pickens will not be out there. Arik Gilbert, we do not know his status or what his status will be. Georgia needs a fully healthy Jermaine Burton out there because he's absolutely a difference maker. And not having him out there makes it very difficult to win. Whereas I don't necessarily believe that the Arik Gilbert news impacts Georgia's game against Clemson all that much because personally speaking, I didn't have expectations that Arik Gilbert was going to put up monster numbers in that first game against Clemson. It's worth keeping in mind. This guy that came in in June, and if you want to look back at some of the recent additions, specifically to this Georgia offense, Jermaine Burton, I believe, only had one catch his first game last year. It took George Pickens a couple games to get up to speed. Lawrence Cager, when he transferred in from Miami to get a couple games up to speed. So as far as Reed Gilbert and that Clemson game, I don't know how big his impact was going to be anyway. But I think we all can sit here and agree that Jermaine Burton has to play a huge role in that Clemson game if Georgia's going to win that day. I think they need him to be the best receiver on the field, and certainly even more so now that Arik Gilbert, you know, we don't know what his status is at this point in time, and we're going to keep it that way. And it's a personal decision. It's personal information with regards to Mr. Gilbert. And we hope he gets to where he needs to be, to where he can get back to a place where he feels comfortable and confident in playing football for this team. But for Jermaine Burton, it's encouraging that he's out there. You know, if it were more serious, I think we would have heard a little bit more about it beforehand. So I'm going to give this about a seven. I still expect him to be out there. I, if, I think one of the big things to check for, especially with the severity of this injury, is does he play in this coming Saturday scrimmage? Or does Georgia be cautious and hold him out again? It's worth keeping in mind here. He did miss a chunk of spring with an injury as well. So maybe Georgia wants to be cautious here, and that's what it is. But Georgia, I think, needs Jermaine Burton out there on the field. They need him playing that first game. So that ankle injury... Uh, a little worrisome in my eyes in terms of seeing that pop up and wondering what his availability might be because Georgia Georgia doesn't just need him to play. They need him to be the best wide receiver on Georgia's offense on come September 4th. So I think that's certainly something worth watching and monitoring going forward. Next name on our list, quarterback Jalen Kimber. This may have flown under the radar a little bit, but if you paid attention, Kimber is dealing with a shoulder injury and he did not practice. And, and that's, you know, unlike a guy like Burton, who I think has proved it a little bit, and Kyrus Jackson obviously has as well, Jalen Kimber has not started a game yet. He did have some injuries to end his 2020 campaign. And so what comes next for Kimber is going to be really interesting to me because he's a guy who is competing for a starting cornerback job and competing for the chance to play quite a bit against Clemson. Now, Darian Kendrick was also not at the scrimmage on Saturday, but he was dealing with the funeral uh, of a friend, and that is the excused absence that he had. With Kimber, I, I think this is about a six, maybe a seven. You know, we'll see if he gets back out there and, and is able to practice and play at the next scrimmage. But I think Georgia was counting on Kimber to, to play and play quite often. He is not quite as raw in terms of experience as, say, Keely Ringo is. And, and while, you know, I think maybe now Kendrick and Amir Speed are likely slated to start that game for Georgia, I think you're going to see a lot of Keely Ringo. I think if health permits, you're going to see a lot of Jalen Kimber because the thing we've heard so much about from Kirby Smart is the lack of experience that Kimber and Ringo have. They have the talent, the skills, 
the raw abilities are there. They just need to get the game reps. So while even though they may not have been starting, the fact that they get in for a series or two, and depending how well they play, maybe even more than that, it's going to be certainly something to watch. And if Burton is the number one name on this list, I, I think Kimber is your silver medalist here in terms of injuries to worry and watch for in this coming weeks. Again, 19 days from the game against Clemson, a little over two weeks. It'll be interesting to see how the developments continue to go with Mr. Kimber there. Next up, John Fitzpatrick. Uh, big guy, had a foot injury. And if you follow basketball and you know sort of the history of that sport, foot injuries for big dudes and foot injuries in general uh, can be quite worrying. Luke Doty, the quarterback in South Carolina, had a, has a foot injury right now as well. And while I, John Fitzpatrick is not going to blow anyone away, John Fitzpatrick is a reliable contributor. He is someone who I think has the trust of JT Daniels. I think he is someone who is going to play quite a bit in that Clemson game and be used in the passing game because you don't want to put too much on Brock Bowers' plate there in that first game. So, yes, Darnell Washington, I think, is still going to be the guy that Georgia's going to look to in that game in particular. But there is a confidence uh, that JT Daniels has in John Fitzpatrick and knowing that that guy's going to be in the right spot at the right time and make a play. And, you know, without George Pickens out there, Jermaine Burt, or, uh, excuse me, Dominic Playlock not likely to play in that game, you wonder – how many guys are there that are out there that JT Daniels has complete trust in? I think John Fitzpatrick is one of those. And so if he's in any way unable to go and play in that game, it's going to force Brock Bowers to play a little bit more. It's going to put even more on the plate of Darnell Washington. And so that is an injury to pay attention to. Uh, a foot injury there for John Fitzpatrick, the junior tight end who went to the Marist School up in Dunwoody. And so if if Fitzpatrick's unable to go, I do think that's going to have an impact on this Georgia offense because as we've covered with the wide receivers already, this is going to be a game where I think the passing game wins because of those running backs and tight ends. And I think Fitzpatrick fits into that category there. So that is an injury worth watching. Uh, Warren Erickson is next up on our list. Uh, I, I think Kirby actually gave a pretty positive update when it comes to Erickson. They expect him to be back this week. The question now sort of just becomes, how comfortable is he with snapping with a cast on his hand? The injury is on his snapping hand. And center's a very critical position. You saw just last year when Trey Hill had struggles snapping the football, it impacted the entire Georgia offense. So while I feel confident that he's going to play now, whether that be at center or at guard, potentially a position that he has started before he started the Sugar Bowl there back in 2020, I think you want him there at center because what that would allow you to do is then play Tate Ratledge at right guard sort of keep Jamari Sawyer there at left tackle for that first game, and then your five starting lineup for the offensive line would be Jamari Sawyer, Justin Schaefer at left tackle and left guard, Warren Erickson preferably at center, Tate Ratledge at right guard, and then Warren McClendon at right tackle. I, I think the coaches have liked what they've seen from Tate Ratledge so far. He's made big strides. Justin Schaefer said as much today. and He's going to be someone that plays, but the question becomes, is he a guy that's starting and closing that game? Is that how comfortable these sorts of coaches feel with him? That's something that Tate is going to show, have to show over the course of practice these next couple of weeks and then the game there. And I think Warren Erickson's injury status has an impact on that. So we'll see, you know, this coming Saturday, how Warren Erickson is able to snap and how comfortable he feels with snapping uh, with, with the cast on his hand. It's just something that while Erickson is comfortable snapping with both hands. It'll be worth monitoring, especially if the snaps are shaky. Because, again, as we saw last year, if you can't get a snap right, it just submarines your whole play from the jump. So I think that's certainly one to watch for. And then I sort of lumped these three guys together at the bottom, Dominic Playlock, George Pickens, and Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. They're all low on the worry levels for me, though one of those is for very different reasons. 
I don't expect Blaylock to play in this game. I do not expect George Pickens to play in this game. Those guys are still working their way back from ACL injuries. So I think obviously Blaylock and Pickens are at different points in that recovery process. I think George is going to be very cautious with Dominic Blaylock for the same ACL again. And so it will be interesting to see how they sort of come back and recover from that and when they ultimately end up getting on the field. I think we'll pick, I believe at some point we see Dominic Playlock this year, but I think it might look like something that Malcolm Mitchell's ACL recovery looked like in 2014 where he wasn't ready to start the season. Started making his way out onto the field in October, felt comfortable playing there, and then come the end of the season was ready to start making an impact again for that team. I think that might be something to watch for with Playlock there. And then Pickens, I mean, Kirby had said it himself. He brought up to Bob Wilson. He, he targeted early November. That's, I think, really around the time to start watching for Pickens to at least ramp up if he is going to make an impact on this team. And then Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, you know, we haven't heard a whole lot about how he's played so far, but I do think he'll be cleared to play in that opening game against Clemson. And if that's the case, that's another body that you have at the wide receiver position. How, how, how healthy he's going to be on that surgically repaired ankle is just going to have to be something we wait to see. But he did impress in, in brief moments last year. He looked good in the Florida game where, ironically, he ended up ending his season. But it says a lot that Todd Munkin feels so comfortable putting a guy like Marcus Rosemary Jackson out there. And I think he's the type of player you need in a game against Clemson to make a difference there. So we just went about 15 minutes on injuries there. And I'm sure there are going to be other guys that pick up bumps and bruises uh, in the coming practices ahead. That's just unfortunately the nature of football. Every program in the country is sort of dealing with these at this point. At a certain point, it just gets to managing these guys for the games. But while Georgia's still working good on good and trying to get the most out of these extra practice sessions, these injuries are just unfortunately going to come up. And it's how the team goes about managing them, I think, will have a big impact on how that Clemson game goes. But that is our first topic for the night, talking injuries, providing updates on where things go from there. So that will do it for our first topic. Moving on to our next topic here on Connor and Coverage. Will Muschamp and the role that he has with the Georgia football program. Obviously, I believe two Sundays ago now, uh, it was first reported and later confirmed that Scott Cochran be stepping away from the Georgia football program to deal with some personal issues and work on his mental health. And now Will Muschamp would be sliding into that on-field coaching role. So what does that mean? What does it mean for Will Muschamp? Well, for one, we know that he's going to be on the field. He's going to be able to interact and actually coach players now. And secondly, it means he's able to go in home and recruiting. And I think that's absolutely going to be a big benefit for this Georgia program. But Kirby Smart was asked this past weekend, sort of, what does Muschamp's role look like? How involved is he with special teams? How does Cochran stepping away impact special teams here? And I thought Kirby gave a very definitive and telling answer about Muschamp and the role that he will have with the Georgia team. We really never had just one special teams guy. I mean, Cochran had the title, but that wasn't the way it was anyway. So Todd Hartley um, did punt, and he continues to do that. He's helped out and stepped up uh, more in the other uh, phases, and it's really a total team effort. It always is. I mean, it was last year, you know, in, in the composite special teams rankings that we keep, which is just our own methods. We were number one in the SEC in special teams, uh, everything included. And it wasn't all Coach Cochran, right? It was it was a lot of people doing it by committee. And uh, that's kind of the same way it is. Coach Muschamp's going to uh, reside over the other units. But to be honest with you, we have uh, a special person on our staff that was unbelievable last year. Um, ULL was one of the best teams in the country at the return unit. And Robbie Disher, the hire we made in the offseason, that he coaches the coaches. So he's there for Muschamp uh, with ideas. Muschamp's always been very involved in special teams. I think people think because you're a head coach, you're not a special teams coach. 
you're probably more special teams when you're head coach than you are uh, uh, when you're the special teams coach. You know, and it's just I know Will ran his program very similar to how we run ours, and he was involved in those. So uh, I was very involved. But he brings a lot of energy to the meetings. I think the players respect him and the job he's done. And so far, I've been I've been really excited about the it almost reinvigorate reinvigorated because there's a new voice and a lot of people are up there um, um, talking. They, they're sharing different voices every day, and the, the players are really competing. Yeah, so Kirby seems to like what he's gotten out of one Muschamp so far. I think he's going to have a positive impact on the program. I mean, obviously, I don't think Kirby Smart anticipated the situation that would lead to him becoming an on-field coach, but I do think Smart anticipated Muschamp having a positive impact on this program. I think maybe eventually he could have moved into an on-field coaching role. But So having him in sort of this role right now where, yes, he does work with special teams, obviously, a little bit, but is able to help out and use the expertise that he gained as a head coach elsewhere to help other units of the field. And we got a chance to talk to Amir Speed today, someone who is a defensive back who is looking for playing time this season. And, and Will Muschamp, for while you can say a lot of things about his his resume as a head coach, is an excellent developer of defensive back talent. And so I, I really appreciated the enthusiasm here from Speed that he spoke about Will Muschamp with. It's awesome. He does a really good he does a really good job with us. He's very he reminds me, just him, him and Coach Smart, it's, just, it's, a, it's a funny and it's a good combo because just their energy is it's a lot and it gives you something to go off of. Because Muschamp, he always gives us laughs and he's just, he's a good guy. We love, we love talking to Muschamp. Yeah, so I thought that was really encouraging to hear Amir Speed say that about Will Muschamp. You know, he's not the first player to sort of take notice of the relationship that Kirby and Will Muschamp seem to have together. It feels kind of stepbrothers-ish. In, in terms of two very similar dudes who get along very well. And while they are both fiery and intense individuals, I think that's going to be to the benefit of this Georgia program. And I do think that Kirby is going to be able to hit things back and forth with Will Muschamp in terms of making decisions, in terms of being a better head coach and improving in that area. You just look at Nick Saban. He's had a ton of head coaches on his coaching staff in recent years, whether it be in on-field roles like, say, a Steve Sarkeesian or, in this case, a, a Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone for this season's team. Or you look at some analyst roles. You look at a guy like Butch Jones who served in an analyst role off-field capacity. So it's something that Nick Saban has done and I think absolutely helped him take advantage of the way that Alabama program has reinvented itself into what we thought was a you know a four, five, six-year dynasty into one that is now stretching on 15 years. And so I, I think you saw Kirby sort of begin to make that same sort of move a year ago when they bring in Matt Luke, they bring in Todd Munkin, two guys that do have head coaching experience. And now they have another guy on Will Muschamp who's done it on the defensive side of the ball. And obviously, Kirby is still incredibly involved when it comes to the defensive back play and really that defense top to bottom. But I think having Muschamp there allows Kirby to focus on other areas now. And conversely, I think Muschamp is going to bring a good bit to this Georgia team. So it's good to hear that Kirby has sort of defined role for Muschamp and what he's going to do and loves the energy that he brings. And I, I, Amir Speed is not the first player to speak positively of the Will Muschamp experience and what he has brought to the team. And so I expect something to continue as far as, you know, what do we act ultimately see from that? I don't know. It might be some small things. It might be the growth that, say, Akili Ringo makes as a defensive back this year. It might be the improvement that Nolan Smith as an outside linebacker makes uh, after talking and working with Will Muschamp. I do think that there's a real value in having Muschamp on the field this season. And while, again, we hope Scott Cochran gets the things right in his life that he needs to get right, I, I think Georgia in the meantime was well positioned for, unfortunately, something like this to happen. 
in the case that you had a guy in Will Muschamp who was overqualified to be an analyst, now move into an on-field coaching role. And we'll talk a little better about recruiting here in a second, but while Scott Cochran has been, you know, talked about as being a, a, a potential asset on the recruiting trail, we all know that Will Muschamp is one of the best recruiters out there, and I think he's absolutely going to help Georgia close strong when it comes to this 2021 signing class. So early on, the the reviews for Will Muschamp continue to be good, be positive. Uh, I'm not surprised by that. It's a role where there's very little pressure. It's not like he's Todd Munkin. It's not even like he's Dan Lanning. And it's still, while yes, he is now on field as opposed to being an analyst, it is a very, I think, low stress role. And I think it's one that Will Muschamp is going to do very well in. You know, I don't know if we're going to see the the boom, Coach Boom screaming on the sideline as much this year, but I do think it's gonna it's gonna help the Georgia program to have Will Muschamp down there on the sidelines, helping make adjustments, helping Kirby deal with the ups and downs of being a head coach in high pressure situations. So that's our second topic for the night. We touched on injuries to sort of start the show, talking a little bit about Will Muschamp right there. We've got about 22 minutes. We'll touch a little on wide receiver recruiting here in a second, and then we'll answer your questions to sort of wrap things up tonight. Obviously, you have a ton of questions. I'm sure Clemson looms large as we get close to that. Georgia in the last week, two AP po- or two polls have come out. Georgia ranks fifth in both. Personally, I think that's a little low. We can touch on that. You know, Big surprises out of spring camp or fall camp, excuse me. God, the days, they just all sort of blend together now. But uh, I thought you got some encouraging updates from some of the freshman defenders. Kamari Lasseter is a guy that continues to get rave reviews. Uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson made a really cool interception. And then Shmuel Munden is a guy that is playing a lot more as well. So I think the, you know, the, the vibes around Campbell, the injuries are a little concerning. And obviously the Eric Gilbert news is the Eric Gilbert news. But there are some positives out there that we can find with fall camp. And as we move into a second scrimmage, it'll be interesting to see how Georgia builds off a, a first scrimmage that I think, quite frankly, they weren't thrilled with the performance with. And they're going to need their wide receivers that a number of them are currently banged up right now to be ready to go and be ready to play week one in a big game against Clemson. But speaking of wide receivers, uh, it's been a very newsy past week on the recruiting trail when it comes to the wide receiver position. Obviously, Georgia already has a commitment from had a commitment from Denylan Morissette, who is playing at North Cobb. He will start his season this week against a Buford team that uh, has a Florida commit in Isaiah Bond and a Alabama commit in Jake Pope. Um, so they had him for a while. I believe he committed back in April. And then last Thursday, uh, Cole Spear, a three-star receiver from Calhoun, Georgia, plays for a very strong Calhoun program up there in northwest Georgia. He commits to the program, giving Georgia a second wide receiver commitment. So yeah, you figure things are looking good there. But Cole Spear was not the end-all, be-all at the wide receiver position. Georgia knows that in every recruiting cycle now, it needs to go out and bring in at least one guy as a wide receiver that can come in and contribute year one. I know people didn't necessarily think that that was in the 2021 recruiting class, but I think it's pretty clear now that Adonai Mitchell was that guy. And he's going to play in the Clemson game. I feel confident saying that. And how much or how good he looks, it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't have huge expectations for him to be really good early on. But I think with what we've heard Todd Munkin say, with what we have heard other players say about him, the early returns on Adonai Mitchell have been very, very good, over 100 yards in the spring game. So I think that's something that be, is going to be worth continuing to monitor. But the two sort of big names that are left now for Georgia recruiting when it comes to the wide receiver position in this 2022 recruiting cycle, a position that they have to close in on. They have to, I think, land Oscar Delp, a tight end who is set to announce his decision potentially in September, a top 100 overall prospect. And then I think they have to get one of these two guys. You know, you add him to Branson Robinson, Delp, Gunnar Stockton, along with Morissette and Spear. I think that's a really good skill position class. But the first guy, I believe this was last, uh, I would say either Monday or Sunday, 
Andre Green Jr., a, a wide receiver from, I believe, the Richmond area, announces a top six of LSU, North Carolina, Penn State, Georgia, Clemson, and Oregon. Sounds like Georgia, North Carolina, and Clemson are the schools that are battling hardest here for Green. It's going to be interesting to watch how that plays out. Obviously, North Carolina has, in the Mac Brown era, done a very good job of recruiting there and landing solid commitments. And then Clemson is Clemson at this point. They are one of the best recruiting powers in the country. And while they're not in on the sheer volume of prospects that Georgia is, Clemson is a good enough recruiting power, specifically at that wide receiver position, to go head-to-head against Georgia and come out with a win there. So that's going to be a big one to watch. And then today, the really big news, five-star wide receiver, the number one ranked wide receiver in the 2022 recruiting class, Luther Burden, announces his decommitment from the University of Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma is still obviously going to be involved, and they recruit offensive skill players as well as anybody in the country. But Georgia and Missouri are real threats now, I believe, to land Luther Burden. Burden is a guy who visited Georgia in June. They are likely to get another visit from Burden. And if Georgia can close with Luther Burden, I think that would be a huge win. We've seen them do this before, sort of I don't want to say coming out of nowhere, but landing highly touted receivers as a cycle comes to a close. You, I think obviously George Pickens in the 2019 cycle and then in the 2020 cycle, you look at guys like Arian Smith and Jermaine Burton that Georgia was able to land there as well. Burton, to a T, fits the model of what Georgia is looking for. Big, physical, able to run routes well. Again, he's the number six prospect in the country for the 2022 cycle right now. So I think any school would love to have him. But there's going to be an opportunity, I think, next year for Burden if he comes in and plays well to play early. And you can even look at the last couple of seasons. Dominic Blaylock and George Pickens both impressed their freshman seasons and played late in the year. And if Blaylock doesn't get hurt, his freshman numbers reached sort of the threshold that obviously Pickens had met. But then in 2020, that Jermaine Burton met as well. Burton, 27 catches, 400 yards last season and three touchdowns. And that was, you know, again, it's not the greatest wide receiver room. It's certainly not what Alabama had. But there were still a couple of veterans in there. Demetrius Robertson, George Pickens, obviously. Kiaris Jackson out there as well. That he Burton had to beat out, and he was able to do it and play and become a big piece for that Georgia offense. And so while next year, you know, Pickens is almost certainly gone, and Kiaris Jackson could be as well, I think. You look at some of the guys they're set to bring back. You know, Dominic Blaylock, another year removed from an ACL injury. Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, Smith, Burton. Adonai Mitchell will be another year older. There's still some room for a freshman to come in there and earn playing time right away. And if Burton is as advertises, we've seen some freshman wide receivers be before. You know, Justin Ross for Clemson obviously comes to mind there. I think Burton has the opportunity to come in and play early, which is absolutely something that he is going to be looking for. So it'll be worth watching to see how Georgia closes now with Green and Burton. You know, maybe somehow they find a way to land both of them. But a wide receiver, I think, in this recruiting class is a very clear need. And Georgia at least needs to land one of them if this recruiting class is going to be what it needs to be for Georgia to sort of keep up with the Joneses or the Sabins of the world, to, to better use the term that I would want to, and continue to recruit well and land elite high school talent. And that way, you're not relying on the transfer portal and who happens to go in that year to sort of fill needs. You only really want to use the transfer portal, as Kirby Smart has said, when the, when the need and the availability fits. And the avail- availability of wide receiver, just for example, might not be there next year. So I, I think that's why you want to see Kirby Smart continue to rely on high school recruiting and use that as a way to build the roster as opposed to the transfer portal. You, you can just even look at a guy like Arik Gilbert, you know, point blank of, you know, you wonder 
if he had just come to Georgia as a freshman, where he is in his development as a prospect, as opposed to where he is after spending year one at LSU, withdrawing from the school, entering the transfer portal and everything that had happened there. So while the transfer portal will always be an option if Georgia, and again, Georgia at the wide receiver position has had success with Lawrence Cager, uh, it might not always be there. So that's sort of our little update there on wide receiver recruiting. We talked injuries. We talked about Muschamp, and now I'm going to turn the show over to you guys. you got questions. Ask away and see uh, what you guys want to talk about tonight. Good questions only, though. No bad questions. And there are bad questions. Uh, let's see. I'm sure YouTube is a mess as I scroll through comments here. Um, yeah, Paul Moon, the Luther Bird news happened around lunchtime today. Um, you know, that's, that's a very interesting development there. Um, let's see questions, thoughts, comments, predictions. Um, yeah. So Brett Oglesby, this is a really good point. Uh, you know, obviously I think there's a lot of doom and gloom around the scrimmage this past Saturday. Uh, Clemson's offensive line had its own struggles and, you know, with Georgia potentially as well, you can point to Clemson and Georgia might have the two best defensive lines in the country. Uh, Will Shipley is a name that hopefully I'm going to get a chance to write about. Um, Will Shipley is a really talented player, a five-star prospect, a guy Georgia recruited very hard in the 2021 recruiting cycle. But as it is sort of known, Dabo Sweeney feels confident and comfortable playing his veterans early in the season. And we think back to 2014, the last time these two teams met, Deshaun Watson was a quarterback that day for Clemson. It was his first career game. He was a freshman. They also had Cole Stout and Dabo inserted Deshaun Watson for one drive in that game and one drive only. And it was a touchdown drive. And then he rode Cole Stout the rest of the way. And I, I think if Dabo had to do it over, he would have gone with Deshaun Watson and played him more than he did in that game. Obviously I think Georgia still ends up winning, but it is much closer in the final score. I think if Watson had played that day, I'll be interested to see if he does how he handles the Will Shipley situation because, and look, it might not even matter who plays running back for Clemson that day because Georgia's offensive line could just be that much better than Clemson's offensive line. And you could probably maybe even say the same thing for the Georgia side though. I think Georgia's running, Georgia's running backs are much better uh, than what Clemson has to offer. But if Clemson's given a lot of carries to Lynn J Dixon and Kobe pace in that game, uh, that's a big win in my opinion to Georgia. And the less that they see of Will Shipley, I think is a good sign for the Bulldogs. So uh, let's see. Uh, Chris McClendon, this is a really good point. So do you think UGA will take advantage of Clemson's linebackers? Now, Trent, they have good linebackers out there. You know, James Kudowski, while he has gotten ejected from the last two college football playoff games that he's played in, uh, is a veteran player. Trent Simpson, a former five-star recruit. That's where Georgia really needs to attack. They need to attack the linebackers and safeties because Clemson has good talent out there at the wide receiver position. I think you need to really look for big games from Darnell Washington John Fitzpatrick, James Cook, and Kenny McIntosh in the passing game. If those guys are able to make an impact in the passing game, and as Chris points out, take advantage of the Clemson linebackers, and I'll include the secondary or the safeties there as well. If they're able to win those matchups, I think that's going to be a really positive sign for Georgia in this game against Clemson. And while everyone wants to talk about wide receivers and high scoring, I think this is going to be a low-scoring 24-14 game. Don't expect a ton of points. I think the defenses and, and the way this is going to be a slowed-down game I think that's sort of what it's going to be. Uh, let's see. Lavasia Carroll, yes, still working in the secondary. I think he's going to work all year in the secondary, and then we'll see 
a, a come the spring if he moves back to running back. Georgia is just so loaded at running back. Even a guy like Dejon Edwards, who I think impressed some people a season ago and clearly looked like an SEC running back. I mean, the fact that you have Kenny McIntosh as potentially a four-string running back just goes to show the absurd depth that you have at the position. That's why I think you move a guy like Carroll to cornerback and see what he can learn there in year one. So, um. Brent, uh, I want to address this. Brad and Dana Silvers. Uh, if Jamari Sawyer is at center, how do we look at tackle? So if that's the case, if Jamari Sawyer starts at center and he did take reps, uh, first team reps on Saturday at that position, if Warren Erickson, for whatever reason, is unable to play in uh, the game against Clemson or is unable to snap in the game against Clemson, I think you're going to see Jamari Sawyer as your starting center. And then you're going to see Xavier Trust there as your left tackle. I don't think Broderick Jones and Amarius Rims are quite ready yet. So, and I think the coaching staff is like what they've seen from, from trust. And even if, you know, Erickson is healthy and ready to play, I think you're going to, you could at some point in that game, see a guy like trust play, you know, depending on how Tay Ratledge plays. I think Georgia feels good about six offensive linemen right now. Warren Erickson, Tate Ratledge, Warren McClendon, Jamari Sawyer, Justin Schaefer, and J- Xavier trust. We'll see how Zedrick Von Prahn continues to develop specifically in this next scrimmage. But those six guys are going to play against Clemson, and I'll be interested to see how Van Praan continues to play and perform there as well. But if Sawyer is at center, Xavier Truss, I think at this point in time, is going to be your left tackle. Um, Hugh Nash. Uh, Connor, who is your sleeper impact player on offense and defense this season? Um, on offense, uh, I, I, I will take a page out of the – out of the Mike Griffith book. And I think Kenny McIntosh can have a really big impact in the passing game this season. If, if you force me to go wide receiver here, I might say Marcus Rosemey Jackson, but again, Marcus Rosemey Jackson was a top 100 recruit. I, I Arian Smith there as well. Uh, but I think Kenny McIntosh is a guy, you know, obviously people I think might like Kenny Milton and Zamir White as runners more. And then James Cook is obviously James Cook, but I think Kenny can have a real impact for Georgia in the passing game this season. And he can make dudes miss. And I think that is something that certainly cannot be overlooked defensively. I'll say Chris Smith. Uh, you know, I think people expect Lewisine to take a step forward here. Obviously, we've talked a lot this offseason about Tyke Smith, Darian Kendrick, but Chris Smith really made strides over the course of last season once he got playing experience. And with now a full offseason with him being a clear unquestioned starter in that defense. I, I think there's a good chance Chris Smith makes some plays this year and really grows off what we saw was an encouraging end to the 2020 season there. Um, See, so Yakobo Simba, I would say that Kenny is a sleeper. Nate Thomas, Adam Anderson is absolutely not a sleeper. He he could end up leading the SEC in sacks. Um, Robbie McCullough. Uh, so I want to address this because I've written about this specific topic plenty of times. Will N'Kobe Dean have a Roquan Smith-like season from 2017? I just think with the way college football is played these days, it's going to be hard to have that specific of an impact. Uh, you know, the game of college football has changed so much since that 2017 season. You think of the way it is played now. It, it is getting after the passer. It is forcing turnovers. I, I think Kobe going to have an absolutely great season. Uh, but with the way this Georgia defense is constructed, with guys like Trayvon Walker, Adam Anderson, Nolan Smith coming off the edge, you wonder, you know, in what role does Nakobe play in terms of affecting the passer? Because that's actually something Roquan did great that season. Five and a half sacks, had that big sack against Auburn in the SEC championship game. Uh, you know, again, it's going to be tough for any linebacker to live up to that. He was literally the best linebacker in college football that season. But if there's someone that is able to do it, 
I think it is N'Kobe Dean. I just think the circumstances of the sport have changed enough to where a, a linebacker like N'Kobe's impact is limited a little bit, unless I know what I am getting him as a, as a pass rusher. Uh, let's see. Um, I see Brent Smith. What do you, uh, what do I think about Lad McConkey, a kick returner? I mean, Kenny McIntosh was a great kick returner a season ago for Georgia. I think averaged close to 30 yards of return. So you're going to see, I think Kenny and Zamir back there because Zamir is capable of returning kicks, but is also an incredible blocker when it comes to kickoff returns. So Lad McConkey is someone who has had a very good fall camp so far, but I, I think Kendall and Zamir, or excuse me, Kenny and Zamir are going to be your kick returners there to watch as well. And Kyrus Jackson, I think is going to be your starting punt returner. Um, Jason Brian Lee, who do I think is going to be quarterback to? I think it's going to be Carson Beck. Uh, that's what Todd Munkin said coming out of the spring, but I'll be interested to see how Brock Vandergriff develops. I heard th the athleticism and tools that he have really jumped, uh, in Saturday scrimmage. Obviously he was working with the threes there, but I think he is someone, how he develops this year is going to be very interesting to watch because, you know, as much as Carson, as well as Carson Beck has played and improved, the tools that Brock Vandegrift have are unmatched in this Georgia quarterback room. And I, I think that is something that has to be worth developing and watching. Uh, let's see. Um, questions. Yeah. Uh, Beg and Megan on YouTube. I, I agree. Kenny McIntosh was a weapon at kick returner. Um, Chris McLennan asked about Keeler Ringo. Yeah, he's had a good fall camp. Uh, got a lot of first-team reps on Saturday at the scrimmage with uh, Jalen Kimber and Darian Kendrick both absent. Is he going to start that game against Clemson? Uh, I, I don't think so. But I think he's someone who's going to play a lot and often in that Clemson game and then certainly in the games that follow there. So could he develop by the end of the season into, say, the SEC championship game starter? Absolutely. I know the guy has a, a ceiling through the roof. He's been described as a very hard worker. The thing that he is just lacking at this point in time is game experience. And so, you know, maybe if Georgia was opening up with, say, Charleston Southern instead of playing them the week before Georgia Tech, uh, or even if they were, say, opening against Georgia Tech uh, in a game with smaller stakes, I do think you probably see a little bit more of Keely Ringo. But he is someone who, by all accounts, has played very well uh, so far this fall, it's just they want to see what they have in Kendrick and Kimber and, and Amir Speed and, Ke and Kendrick, excuse me, have such an obvious experience edge that I think that's going to factor into who ultimately starts that Clemson game. Um, let's see. Uh, Lee Grimes, Bowers role. Yeah, so Brock Bowers is someone who Todd Munkin has spoken uh, very highly of and has earned rave reviews even going back to the spring. And I found it interesting when, when Todd Munkin was asked about Arik Gilbert he mentioned that Gilbert was in the same role as Brock Bowers. And I found that very curious at the time. And now with knowing what we know about Gilbert, he's going to have a role in this team. What it is against Clemson, I'm not sure. But uh, based on our conversations with Todd Munkin, I think he's excited to get to use a player like Bowers and, and what he might be able to bring to this Georgia offense this year. So what that looks like that first game against Clemson, I'm not sure. I don't want to put a ton of pressure on freshmen making big contributions right away or even for, or even transfer guys. Um, so it would certainly be worth watching how Bowers plays there, but I will be worth monitoring how Bowers continues to develop over the course of the season. Uh, Daniel Otters, do I think that George Pickens will return sooner than we think? Well, I don't know what we think, but the Florida game is such a tricky time because that's the game. If you're going to make a case for him coming back for on Georgia's schedule, other than the Clemson game of the regular season games, 
the only game where you would uh, potentially need George Pickens to win would be that Florida game. And so, unfortunately, that's right around the time that Kirby Smart had mentioned. That's when Devon Wilson had gotten started to get clear. That was the week after that. So, it'll be interesting to watch him develop. I still, while some might want to take the positive view and, hey, could he come back sooner? I also still think there's a chance we have seen George Pickens play his last down here. How he continues to develop, rehab, and he's got a decision to make. Does he want to get out on the field and play this season or prepare for the NFL draft? And so, how that all goes down. I think it's going to be something worth watching once the month of October rolls around, uh, around Georgia's bye week. I think that's going to be when that question starts getting more seriously asked. Uh, this will be my last question for the night. Uh, bigger position we need to land, defensive line or wide receiver? I'm going to go defensive line here. And while I talked at length about the importance of wide receiver, I think that's a position you can come in and play early. And Georgia's going to bring back enough guys next season barring some unforeseen transfer circumstances to where they're still be in a good spot at that position. Whereas defensive line, it's a position that takes a little while to develop. And so if you're Georgia and you're able to close with say Michael Williams, a bear Alexander, a Christian Miller on your defensive line there, I think that sets you up very well because Georgia's defensive line is going to have some turnaround here pretty quickly. You know, it would not surprise me if, if Trayvon Walker balls out this season and then heads to the NFL. This is Jordan Davis's senior year, Devontae Wyatt's senior year. So those guys are going to be off to the NFL next season. You have to replace them. Jalen Carter is going to be a heck of a player, but before you know it, he's going to be draft eligible as well. So they've got to start landing some uh, the, the, the sort of next round of studs. And obviously they landed some good players in the 2021 recruiting class. Tyrion Ingram's Dawkins, Jonathan Jefferson, a couple names to note there. Marlon Dean has really flashed early on as well. But to those true studs, those guys that like Jalen Carter was as a recruit, Trayvon Walker was as a recruit, as far as those guys go, I, I would take defensive line over wide receiver at this point just because if you can get a defensive lineman of that caliber in your program, it helps you out. Whereas I think wide receiver is a position where it's a little bit easier to play right away and it's not as steep a development curve. So that will be our last question for the night. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, we do this every Tuesday, Connor and coverage. We'll have Jeff Sintel tomorrow night before the hedges, a ton of recruiting news. Stuff has really started to heat up, especially as guys high school season start. You know, they were at the Corky Cal uh, kickoff classic luncheon today. So I'm sure he's got a ton of great stuff from there for you guys. Uh, Brandon Adams every Monday through Friday. I'm not certain we're going to do a cover for this Thursday. That's still being ironed out. And then obviously you have Mike Griffith on, on the beat on Monday nights, but this has been Connor and coverage. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back here next Tuesday talking second scrimmage. We're even closer. We are under 20 days now from the first game against Clemson. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This has been Connor and coverage. My name is Connor Riley. <laughs>